right, all right, all right. The Lord is good and great and greatly to be praised, isn't it? He's wonderful. It's a good day today. Glad to see you all out here in the house. And uh, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Dino Rizzo last Sunday? Wasn't it was just great. He's a great guy. You know, if you ever, if you ever needs to choose another uh, profession, he can be a stand-up comedian. His timing is impeccable. And uh, he's got stories that would just make you roll clean out of your chair. It's just, he's really a great, great, cool guy, you know. But, uh, but the general's back in the house today with a, with a word for you. And uh, just want to tell you that I, I just love you and appreciate being pastor of this church. It's just a great church filled with great people. If you're visiting here, just know this, that everybody in the world are just regular people. Some of them just shined up a little bit more than others, but in this place, we're only regular people who love God and love each other the best we know how. Come on. And so uh, I think I've got a word for you this morning. Uh, We're going to stay in one book of the Bible and one chapter of that book, and uh, that is in the book of Psalm, and we're going to go to chapter 101. I'm going to be reading to you out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, and uh, this message is a standalone message. We normally do series, but we're sort of like in the middle here. And uh, uh, the reason we do series, in case you're wondering, is because uh, it's like nailing things down. You get to nail things down week after week. You do a four-week, a six-week series, and everybody stays focused on that one thing. But every now and then, we bring you a standalone message like today. And so in in Psalm 101, just to kind of let you know that that was a psalm written by King David, and some scholars say that It was his inaugural psalm, the first psalm he wrote after being king, and it sort of sets his idea of how he's going to govern the kingdom. And so as I was just seeking what to share with you, I came upon Psalm 101, and I realized that if it was good for King David's kingdom, it might be good for our life. And so I thought about government, and then I thought about self-government. And so I just began to kind of research self-government, and I realized that the the subject of self-government, most writers write simply about we governing ourselves outside of a government, like a local government or state government or federal government. But today I'm sharing with you about self-government. That means how you governing yourself, you see? And, and the king sets here how he's going to govern certain things. And, and really, he sets it in order in this psalm. He basically says, you know what? God first, then me, then my family, and then my kingdom. And that's really the priorities that we need to set in our life. God first or the center. And, and then us, we have to govern ourselves as a person. And then if we're married, we've got family and that situation. And then there's job and career and all the other things that matter. The thing about self-government, why it's so important, can you imagine what would happen if we just took off all restraints immediately right now and did exactly what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it? You didn't get that. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm saying I'm not stopping at another stop sign. I'm not going to obey any speed limits. I'm going to go into any store and take what I want and not pay for it. I have no self-government, no self-restraint. We would be in chaos and you'd be running for the mountains about right now. And there are no mountains in Mississippi, so you'd be running real far. You understand? So Psalm 101, the king's charter, but our self-government. 
He says, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. There are 11 I wills in this psalm. We're gonna hit about 10 of them today. But the king says right here, I will sing of your love and your justice, your mercy and the way you judge, Lord. Uh, I'm gonna sing of that. That word sing, the first time that word sing was found in the Bible was after Moses and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And when they crossed the Red Sea, the Bible says that Miriam, she got herself up a tambourine, come on now, and she began to sing, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The king's horses and his riders are thrown into the sea. My Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. That word sing right there, you know what it means? It means strolling like a menstrual strolling. It's sort of like a man walking underneath the window of a woman and singing him a song, a love song. Come on now. That's exactly what we were just doing. The windows of heaven are open and we're singing a love song to Jesus. How I love you. How I love you. That's what that word means. He says, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stroll around and I'm just gonna sing a love song. I'm awestruck about the presence of God. David was a shepherd who was a singer and then a king who was a worshiper. As a matter of fact, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of Jerusalem to put in the temple, every six feet they would stop Every six steps, they would stop. Now, I've got a three-foot stride, so let's say every 18 feet, they would stop and they would sacrifice a bull and a lamb. Boom, boom, boom. Six steps, sacrifice. Six steps, sacrifice. And by the time they got up into the city walls, I'll tell you what, they had whipped up a worship team. They had whipped up some worship up in there, man, because David, he done threw off his main garments. Come on now. And he's up in like a little linen skirt And he's just praising God. He's just strolling up and down the streets. His wife, Michael's looking through the window and she says, man, you are vile and you're the king and you're acting like a fool. And he said, you know what? In the presence of the Lord, I might just act more like a fool. What's up with that, Michael? I'm gonna do what I wanna do. So he says, I'm gonna sing of this. I'm gonna be a worshiper. I'm going going to play the instrument of my heart. And that's what worship is. And then in verse two, he says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. I'm gonna be careful to lead a blameless life. I'm gonna be very, very cautious and wise. I'm not going to take risk. Now, many times in life, we have to take risk. And that's right, you don't get anywhere without taking risk. You marry somebody, that's risky business. You go into business, that's risky. I mean, it is. So he's not talking about that kind of risk. He said, I'm gonna be careful to live a blameless life, a truthful life, a clean life. That's what I plan to do. And he said, I'm gonna have to be very, very careful to do that. You have to be careful. You have to watch things. You can't just stumble through life and not be careful to see pitfalls that may occur in your path. This morning in the one-year Bible, we read in Proverbs, it says that, you know, there's a, there's a way, there's a path that everybody thinks is right, but it, it ends up in death. So it's not about a matter of just saying, oh, this is the right way. I think this is the right way, or this is the good way. It might be good, but it not be, might not be the right way. There might be other ways, and that's why it takes wisdom. And that's what, that's what David is saying. He said, I'm going to be wise in my life. 
I'm going to govern myself properly. I'm going to live a blameless life, a truthful life. And then he goes on and he says, I will, I will, I'm going to do this. He said, I'm going to lead a life of integrity. It's going to be a life of integrity. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to do. And I'm going to live that life of integrity, that complete, that morally excellent life. He said, you know where I'm going to live it? I'm going to live it in my own home. That's where I'm going to live it, in my own home. In my own home. It's so important that you see those two words, own home. Where is the power of the family found? Is it in the school? Is it in the church, really? Is it out in society? Where is the character and the power of the home formed? It's formed in the home. He said, I'm living this life of integrity behind closed doors. I'm gonna live a life of integrity in my own private life. Today we see, it's just amazing. I mean, it's not a day goes by that there's not a public scandal in our nation, our city, our state. It's just the way it is. We don't need to come down on those kind of people and say, oh, look at them and point a finger. It's just the way it is. But we always find out, and believe me, the news will find out. And if they can't find out, they will make something find out. <laughs> that there was a, a deeper problem in the deeper life. And eventually, like everything else, it rises to the top. You hide it for a while, but then it rises up and eventually it becomes public. David's saying, you know what? I'm gonna strive in my own home to lead a life of integrity, to be completely right in my private life and in my family. Parents, the power of your children's future is in the power of your influence in your family. Don't take it lightly. You young parents who are just starting out, make it your life's priority to lead your family in the right way. Be bold, be sure, be people of faith, be people of integrity, and make sure your life is complete. Get healed if you're not. You don't want to pass your hurt and brokenness onto your children. Get healed now. Get healed early. Get understanding and education now on how to raise families so that you don't have to deal with the heartbreak that comes otherwise. Then he goes on and he says, I will refuse to look at any vile and vulgar I will, I'm not going to be looking at anything vile or vulgar. You know that, that word? He said, I'm not going to give myself to worthless things. I'm not spending my time looking at worthless things. And there's great controversy nowadays. You know, used to years ago, it was like black and white. I mean, it was like right and wrong. And that was it. It was so, but now it's like, well, I'm not sure about that. I'm not convicted about that. I'm, I, I, I can handle that. Well, you know what? I don't know what you can handle or what you cannot handle, but I can tell you one thing. You ought to not waste your life looking at worthless things. And I'm not talking about Alabama football. I'm not really talking about Alabama football. 
I, I, I'm not talking about that or anything like that, you know, not, you know, but, you know, it, it's, it, but the, the few of you, you might ought to think about coming on over to the brighter side, <laughs> you know, LSU, home run in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> just saying, where's Alabama? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to look. I'm not going to turn. In the Old Testament, God sent two angels to a city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in that area, he plucked out of there a man and his wife and two daughters. And he said, I want you to leave here. The angel said, leave, go, don't look back. They left and Lot's wife, for some reason, it doesn't say why, but she looked back. Maybe she was wanting to see how God was going to judge where she lived. Or maybe she looked back yearning and wishing she could stay. Whichever reason, she turned into a pillar of salt. Which sounds to me like some kind of judgment that God put on her. Otherwise, he'd let her go. Let me tell you something about not looking at worthless things and turning your back and walking away. Years ago, when we first were born again, we knew nothing about church and God or whatever. And so we were going to a church far from our home and we decided we had to find a church close to our home and they didn't have all the cool things like Google, life-giving church and things like that. So we went back to the religious organization that we knew our whole life. And, and that day we went to the service and, and then afterwards they had a, a festival of sorts and we went there and it, you know, I, I ended up somehow, I know that I don't recall how, it's been many years ago, I ended up with the people who were going to be performing on the platform. And I had a lot of friends there. We knew everybody. And, and, and they said, let's pray. And so I said, wow, man, they're praying. Come on now. So we held hands in this large, I mean, there must have been about 40 people in that room and holding hands. And this guy's leading us in prayer. And it's just great prayer. And I'm all, I'm saved. I'm like, yes, you know. And so, and so finally I found my way back out. And we we're in the crowd. And, and these same people come up on, on the platform and they just started playing stuff and doing things and it just got worse and, and then it got vulgar and it just got worse and worse. And I remember Jan and I standing there, Carrie was just a little bitty girl and, and I just looked at her and said, baby, I, I think we just need to go. It wasn't anything critical in our hearts, just something in my spirit. I said, I just think we just need to go. And so we just just moseyed on out and our car was parked way down the road and as we began to walk together holding our child's hand we just walked and walked and you know what I never looked back as a matter of fact when you come to Jesus there's a lot of things you just should never turn around and look at again you should just kind of keep moving huh Keep moving. Our whole family went to Audubon Zoo yesterday. And the whole thing was like, let's keep moving. <laughs> it is so hot. It's like, we're having a great time. Let's keep moving. Let's just keep moving. Thank God for moving. He said, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not going to put that before my identity. In verse in, in the next verse, he says, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. He said, you know what? I'm not messing with shady characters. I'm not going to get involved. In my rule and reign, we're not going to get involved with, with shady characters. And, and, and this is how you can figure out somebody who's shady. He said, how do you do that? 
Well, I, I, I have a fish comparison with people. When you fish and you catch a fish, he's slippery. He slips out of your hands. He slips into the boat. A lot of times you leave him in the bottom of the boat. You know, I'm not talking about your nice, good-looking, bass-tracking, you know, four motor. I'm talking about the aluminum boat with wooden seats. You know what I'm talking about. And if you leave him down there, when you touch him a little while later, he's kind of, he's kind of, he gets kind of, you know, slimy, real slimy, you know, he's just slimy, man. And, but but then if you keep messing with him, then he gets sticky. And that's how, when I'm around people, I don't even judge people no more. I'm tired of all that. I, I don't, it's just that you're kind of slippery. You seem a little slippery. Oh, man, I've been around you a little while. You are kind of slimy. Wow, what's coming out of your mouth, the way you deal with things, you're sticky. You're one of these crooked, my, you're one of these, you're dealing kind of crookedly. I'm just going to stay away from you. I'm just going to leave. I don't want, there are a lot of people to do business with. Find some honest people to do business with. There are a lot of good people that deal with integrity. Find those, mine those out. And if you're dealing with somebody who's a liar, a cheat, and all those things, whatever, just kind of back off them. You don't have to judge them. You don't have to make a spectacle. Just kind of back off. And that's what King David is saying. He said, I'm not, in my administration, we're not going to govern with crooked people. And in your life, you don't want to govern your life with crooked people. And then King David makes a big, big statement here. He goes on, he says, I will reject perverse ideas and I will stay away from every evil. Perverse ideas. Watch this. I'm gonna reject them. He just said plain as day. I reject these perverse ideas, these perverted ideas, these ideas that are turned upside down, these ideas that are unacceptable, if there's an idea that is unreasonable, if there's an idea that's brought to me, the king says, if it's void of understanding, I'm going to reject it. Can I tell you something? Can I encourage you and tell you that there are things today that it's okay to reject? And I'm not building a church full of Mean people, finger pointing, come on now, know it all, dead, dried up religious Pharisees. But I want to build a church of people who stand strong in faith and conviction with a heart that is soft and full of love. But there are some things that are happening in our land today that 35 years ago we didn't have to deal with. And we're having to deal with them now. And they're not going to go away. They're everywhere. I'm gonna give you a few of them. I'm not gonna list all the woes and wrongs of the world. But there are some things that are staring us in the face. Some have been for a long time. And we may not be able to change what is outside the government even. And by the way, let me preface all this by saying, because there is a law that is written on a book that says it's okay, does not make it always okay. Okay? You got that? So we can't go, we, we got a higher law, a higher law. 
And so when we start dealing with issues, very, very emotional, very strong, deep-rooted issues like abortion, we need to have the right heart when we deal with it. There cannot be a heart of hate. You know what? Hey, you committed adultery. You're going to put down somebody who had an abortion? Be quiet. It's not a matter of putting down or raising up. That's not what it's a matter of. It's a matter of having a tenet of faith that says I will stand strong on the Lord's side, period. I don't have to be judge. There's some of you in this room, you've had abortions. You know the pain of it. You know the consequences of it. Some of you are in the throes of it. Some of you may be contemplated or it may be facing you in the future. But abortion is the taking of an innocent life. And no matter what the law says, God says, no, it's not acceptable. It's a perverse idea. It's a perverse idea. And we have to say, and I, and I know this, when our family or co close friends are involved in situations, we are in a battle whether or not to embrace what God's word says to the best of our ability to understand it and what the action is that is taking place. I'm telling you, being a Christian is not always some old easy street. There are hard choices and hard decisions. But then when we start looking at things like murder, we know murder's wrong. We know any kind of murder is wrong. And there are accidents that take place and misjudgments that take place that are called murder and it's such a, a confusing thing but murder is a perverse idea. He said, I'm going to reject that. We're dealing now with areas of marriage that, and gender that is being thrust upon us like it's normal when in actuality, in the beginning, God created male and female. God created male and female and even Paul echoes it in Ephesians 5 when he says, a man ought to love his wife. Those are gender sensitive. He did not say a man is to love his husband. Do you understand? But yet it's being thrust upon us. And because the law is being passed because of pressure, the church must stand still, stand still, be strong, and say it is an unacceptable, unreasonable, void of understanding idea that we must reject. Are you understanding this? We've got to reject it. When a man is created a man, he ought to stay a man. Now, come on, folks. Look. There's a generation coming up, your kids that are three and four years old right now, that if you don't take this in a sensitive manner in your home and teach your children proper values and biblical values, the media is so powerful and celebrityism is so powerful with such great influence 
that through social media and television and movies and peer-to-peer, they will hear a thousand times more than what you say unless you are deliberate in bringing it into your home and making it a subject, not of pointing fingers and saying, that's a bad person, but pointing a hand up to heaven and saying, he is a good God and his word says this, so we live by it. Can we do that, folks? Can the church live by the tenets of faith found in the Bible? He said, we can't deal with these perverse ideas. I'm married to a woman and I'm so glad if I would have married a man, I wouldn't have three beautiful children and all these wonderful in-law kids and these grandkids. Because two men can't make a baby no matter how you cut it, okay? I'm not trying to be just, we not, we, you know, but anyway. Then he goes on, he says, I will not tolerate. I mean, King David was a warrior. I mean, he'd kill 40,000 men in one day and not think anything about it. He said, I'm not going to tolerate people who slander their neighbors. He said, we're not going to put up with all this backbiting. You, you know, I, I'm appreciating this church uh, uh, about how, uh, you know, and I don't know everything about what's going on. Dear God, who would? Only God could know what all's going on. But I know this, that I believe we've turned the corner on all this silly, churchy, backbiting, gossip junk. I think we've turned the corner and said, you know what? That's a waste of my time to gossip. It's also a waste of my time to listen to gossip. So when somebody gossips on Facebook, don't like it. Don't like it. Don't dislike it. Don't comment. You know what you do? Just take that thumb and just go. All you got to, everybody put, put your thumb out and just go. And it's done. There it is. Out of sight, out of mind. I'm not tolerating backbiters. I'm not going to put up with it, he says. And I, I don't think he said, I'm not going to put up. I just think he's saying, I'm not, in my administration, we're not going to have that. Any family, any church, any company that's filled with backbiters always fails. We need to have each other's back, not bite each other's back. Come on now. If somebody's down, pick them up, man. Keep the, the, way, the, the, the flag of Jesus waving. I mean, if somebody's carrying the flag and they, they get hit, they start falling, don't kick them down and let the flag fall down. Man, pick them up, hold the flag back up and say, come on, boy, come on, come on. Walk with me for a while until you're strengthened. The Bible says to strengthen the feeble knees and lift up the hands that hang down. This is what we do. This is government, but it takes self-government to do that. He goes on, he says, I will not endure conceit and pride. I'm not gonna mess with that. I don't wanna get around proud people. You know, one of the proudest people I think in the whole wide world that I know of, I think he's a funny guy, but he's so proud. Donald Trump is a proud dude. (laughs) Now, this is not a shot against Donald. He's funny, he's so proud, he's funny, but it's so sad, because he's so proud, and he's conceited, because he thinks he knows. And know what, I've been just like him, not the hair, but a lot of the other things. I, I've, I've found myself just, I find pride in my life. When, when I won't take correction, that's pride. When I'm not teachable, that's pride. When I think I know it all, that's pride. When, when, I, when I say, hey, here we go, and, and, and don't worry, that's pride. Anytime you go on yourself and you on your little horse, you know, with your little spurs, you got your little hat on and you're like riding off, you know. You know, you, stop, whoa, baby. Wait for the Calvary. Ride with the group, come on now. Be a team player. Don't be full of conceit and, and oh, and, 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 and and, you know, look, quit shining your Bible belt up so much, your buckle. 
Let your life shine. Not your big Bible belt buckle. Because we live in the South. The South. Verse 6. You know what? He says, this is what I'm going to do. And I want to tell you this right now. He said, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. He said, I'm looking for faithful people that I can trust. You know what, folks? Jesus is looking for faithful people. Now, the wonderful thing about Jesus is this. I believe he's real. I believe he's alive. I believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe he sent the Holy Spirit. And I think the Holy Spirit is working in, 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 as, a, as three together in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to take people who are a wreck and make them faithful. To take people like me who are so blinded and, and undone and unfocused and then all of a sudden to start shaping, like boot camp. And, you know, he shaves my head. Come on. But he circumcises our heart. And when he circumcises our heart, all of a sudden he gets us in the army of God and he begins to teach us how to be real men and real women, real young people, to be examples. And he, he heals us of all the harm that has transpired in our life. And some of it is so deep that you're ashamed to even say it. But when you say it to somebody that's faithful, a companion, a life group, a small group, a a Christian friend, a minister, or whoever, and, and, and then God comes in and he begins to heal that. Wonderful things happen. And next thing you know, you're up in this government. And now, when my self-government lines up with my Lord's government, it's not a, it all merges together. And next thing you know, Jesus is like King David and he's saying, I'm looking for faithful people. And I'm saying, Lord, here I am. Take my life. And I really mean that, God. Take this life and use it to glorify your kingdom. And that's when you find out that you're one with Jesus. Folks, it's time for you to cinch it up. Look at your government. What style do you have? Is it working? Is it working in these areas? And I would suggest that you take your Bible, that you sit down in a meditative state, and you read Psalm 101 straight through. Because I didn't just teach you about self-government today. My other goal was to show you that you can take a portion of your Bible and read it and get something marvelous out of it that makes you a better person for God, that makes you better on this earth and prepares you for the world to come. That's why we live. That's why this church exists. That's it. That's the fullness. So the word has come to you, and now we want to respond. I want you to bow your heads just in meditation. And first for the church, the people of God. I want you to look at these things that King David just spoke to us about singing your worship life. I want you to look at things like 
what you're looking at, what you're giving yourself to, what kind of people you're running with. Not that you run from people that, are, that, that, that have problems. No, we run to people to help them. But we are the influencers, not the influenced. Father, I pray for your people. I pray, Lord God, that the church would govern itself through your power, through your Holy Spirit. That, Lord God, some of the pitfalls that we find ourselves in have only been because we haven't really followed your pattern. And so I pray for those that are suffering with consequences of maybe not governing themselves with wisdom and being cautious. And Lord, I ask you to help us to reap consequences and to work through the issues that maybe we've brought upon our own life. To be people of forgiveness with a big heart, willing even sometimes to be misused. Father, would you bless your church and would you encourage them? Would you touch your people deeply, bring revelation to them about who they are, and let us be like King David who says, you know what, Lord, I love you so much that I'm going to put aside all my title and all of my accomplishments. And when I'm in your presence, I'm just going to be a regular person and I'm going to dance before you and worship you. I want to thank you, Father, that you hear the prayers of your people. And I just want to talk for a moment while every head is bowed. I want to talk to you who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've heard it said different ways. You're not saved or you're not following the Lord at this time. or Your heart is not open to God. You know, all those different words we use to simply say, you know what? I don't really have assurance that I know my God, my creator. If you're sitting in your seat right now and you feel an emptiness inside of you, and there's no assurance that you truly know God. I want to pray with you right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except to open your heart up to the one who died for you, the one who rose again from the dead for you, and the one who sits at the right hand of our Father in heaven who is right this moment praying for you. Open your heart up. If your heart is open, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. You see, it's not about the outside. It's not about your circumstance. It's your heart. Forget about the trouble you're in or you're not in or how good you are or how bad you feel about yourself or what you've done or what someone has done to you, just shove all that on the side and come before God and open your heart up. Just repeat this simple prayer after me. Just say, Father in heaven, I'm coming to you and asking you to forgive me. I want to be your child. I want to serve you by knowing you. Would you be my Lord? Would you come in my heart and change me? Change me from the inside out. 
And I thank you for that. And I will give you honor with my life. I will not look back. But I will look forward with you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. All right. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv slash connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv slash locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give. You can give a one-time donation, or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.